Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. It's been a pretty impressive training camp so far. It's been a pretty impressive it's preseason been a fun period. Preseason yeah, so far. I think this team had a lot of optimism already, mm-hmm. but I think this has just made it kind of run wild, brother. And <laughs> maybe not in a good way always, but mm-hmm. it's fun. The team has some excitement, some right. with it right. now for a change. And there's been some guys that have kind of impressed more than most. So we're not going to do a top 10 here, but we'll do a little, a baby power ranking. I won't go crazy. I won't hurt my throat too, too much. So how how, how uh, heavy do I have to get my, set my laser? Your laser's to? fine the way it is. I don't okay. want to tamper with lasers too much. They, they have a tendency to backfire and cause cat- catastrophe to happen. But, you know, just a little power rank. Just top five guys that we've been most impressed with through this camp period so far. A little collaboration here between Jacob and yeah. I. Combined. Number five for us has been Keanu Benton. Has to be, right? I, I mean, a disruptor yeah. on the defensive line. Everybody, I think, kind of pegged him as a dark horse starter this year. You know, oh, Patrick Jones, Joey Porter Jr. Those two guys should start right away. Keanu Benton should probably start right away, too. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget, this guy's a second-round draft pick as well. You know, just because he was the third-player pick, don't put him in that third-round box. Um, but he was dominant in the game uh, against the Buccaneers. The, the guy got hurt at the end of the game, bounced back right mm-hmm. away from the injury, was practicing like two days after the injury happened. So not only did he ex- exhibit you know, the ability to go out there and play at an NFL level, but also the ability to recover at an NFL mm-hmm. level, to be available every single week, even though you are a little dinged up. Uh, mm-hmm. Love to see that kind of heart from such a young player. But, you know, as far as is he going to end up being the starter at nose? Well, the Steelers might not have a nose a lot of the time when they're out on the field. It might just be Larry O and Cam Hayward. Um, But the thing that's so nice about Benton is he can play that nose if they are in that, you know, base 3-4. But Benton can come in for Hayward and line up on the outside. He can come in for Ogunjobi and be, you know, an outside kind of defensive lineman. He's... Not your Casey Hampton is kind of what I'm getting at. He's much more athletic than that. He's kind of this oh, new, for he's sure. this new breed of nose tackle, mm-hmm. if you will. Not to say he's Aaron Donald, but kind of cut from the we're more athletic than we are. A little more clogged. nimble. Yeah, yeah like can move around a little they're more They're not easily. just giant yep. dudes that clog a hole anymore. There are right. athletes. Hargrave's another one that comes to mind. Like, there are athletes now at that position, and Benton checks that box more than Adams, more than Fiocco uh, do, in my opinion. So... I'm looking for Benton to really take that role as the starter on the nose and be one of the first guys off the bench when they sub in for Hayward, when they sub in for Ogunjobi. Um, it, it, the play against Tampa Bay that keeps coming to mind, Isaiah Loudermilk ends up making the tackle for a loss on a fourth down and, and stop, turns the ball over on downs. Loudermilk's been playing well, too. I think he's definitely going to make this team, has found a spot for himself. But that play was all Keanu Benton. 
I mean, he right. was the disruptor. He pushed the pile back, and Loudermilk did his job and finished it off. So I loved what I've seen from Benton so far, and I love the fact that he comes to camp, he shines in the camp setting, then he goes to the preseason setting, and he shines there too. He takes what he's been doing in camp, and he applies it to the actual game situation. So Benton, number five for me, for us on this mm-hmm. list. And yeah, easy expect one. Expect big things from a rookie out of here. And it's nice to see a rookie – one of these rookies on this list as well. When we're when we've been talking about, well, Darnell Washington's pretty far down the depth chart with Gentry and and Fryer with even Connor Hayward in the mix, and then you we talked about Joey Porter Jr. dealing with that huge rotation of defensive backs. Uh, talking about Broderick Jones, not yet quite uh, usurping uh, Dan Moore uh, in the in the depth chart on the depth chart at that left tackle position or any tackle position. So it's nice to see one of these guys really stepping up and saying, "Okay, there you go. You 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 know at least one of these guys will have a day one impact for you." What does this do for a guy like Demarvin Leal? Because remember how high we all were on right, Leal last right. year. Kind of quieted down this year, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah, I think Leal is because one of those ben guys can where play the Leal position too. Demarvin Leal is someone who was brought into the Steelers, certainly not uh, at the same pedigree. I mean, obviously coming from an SEC school uh, like Texas A&M, who was, I think, at the time, right, one of like the best defensive team uh, in it's, the it's SEC. A&M. Yeah, it's A&M. I right. mean, it, they're always good. So for him, though, it, it was more so of a later round pick. I think he was a fourth round draft pick. He's so a third round pick. Third round draft pick, yeah. but for for Keanu Benton to be among this second round talent, right? And I, you always want to you always want to hope that your first, second, third round guys are all going to be home runs, all going to be difference makers. That's not always going to be the case. Leal will make the team too. I don't want anybody. Yeah, to yeah. Think don't get me wrong, I'm but I think him, you know, I, you know, I, I he I, also had to play a lot more as a rookie than I think he expected to. Well, right, and that had to do with the injury that Larry O was suffering throughout, you know, on and off throughout the season. Obviously, playing at different positions, but I, I kind of like the, you know, we're we're talking about the new age of this team. Cameron Hayward getting older with every year, but still looking like he's aging like a fine wine, right? So, once Cameron Hayward does depart, I mean. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I don't think, Tom, to have Larry Osel kicking it around, but have Keanu Benton start at the nose tackle, and maybe have DeMarvin Leal uh, uh, start opposite of Larry O on that defensive line. I mean, it's just you know, it's all about timing, right? You gotta, you can't, you can't just break out and you're given in any given year. You know, sometimes you have to let the roster kind of work its way around you, or you're you have to work your way around the roster. I just think that DeMarvin Leal is more of a long term project than he is for, than. Keanu Benton is. You mentioned this guy a little bit ago. Number four on our list, mm-hmm. Dan Moore Jr. There you go. People are cringing right now that we named him. Right. But it's fact. He has been mm-hmm. a really impressive player throughout this camp, throughout this preseason period so far. You know, at OTAs and at minicamp, I'm down there on the south side, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm perusing around. I'm, I'm hobnobbing with some of the famous people down there, the Bob Labriolas mm-hmm. and the Craig Wolfleys. So I'm sitting there with Wolf, and you know we're looking out, and I'm like, "Yeah, boy, Jones looks big, huh?" And he's like, "Oh, brother, he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother." But th- but then he's go, but he quickly puts my attention to 65. Right. He goes, "But look at Danny. He's gotten a lot bigger, and he looks really, really good right now." And I'm going, "I take what Wolf says seriously, For but sure. I'm also going, yeah, but I mean, they're in shorts. You know, uh, he looks good now. What about when they get to St. Vincent? Well, they got to St. Vincent, and mm-hmm. he still looks good." Okay, well, I mean, he 
he's going up against his own teammates. And sometimes T.J. Watt's not even out there. What about when he goes up against the Bucs? What about when he plays the Bills? Well, he did that and he checked those boxes too. This guy isn't just not losing the job. He's going out there and he's winning the job. He, right. he is playing really well. And all that stuff that Wolf was telling me in OTAs that I was like, well, maybe we'll have to wait and see to believe it. I'm seeing it and I'm starting to believe it. That, by the way, that man Wolfley knows what he's talking about when it comes of to course. line play. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about an expert there about the offensive no line. No wonder he could pick it out in minicamp mm-hmm. and OTAs. Uh I, again, I said this earlier in a previous episode we did today, but I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself here that you don't have to worry about the fact that Dan Moore Jr. is on this list because it's not like Dan Moore has just remained constant in his abilities and the failure has been on the part of Broderick Jones not being able to catch him or even pass him on the depth chart, right? It's the fact that you see, you know, some improvement in a young, very moldable Broderick Jones, but you see a guy like Dan Moore, who we con- constantly point out, was thrown into the fire his rookie year, got a lot more playing time than expected his rookie year, and then because he played so much, earned that starting job his second year, and now by his third year, are you really going to be mad that he's taking another stride? Sure, this is a guy that you didn't think was going to be a starter for you on your offensive line, and yeah, when two years ago when it was Dan Moore Jr. starting at the left tackle and and Kendrick Green starting at the center and the offensive line was in one of its worst states that it's been in, in the 21st century. But are you really going to be upset that Dan Moore has shown signs of improvement over a, a short three-year career so far? I mean, that should be what you want. You found a guy that you didn't expect to be someone who's helping you and now is a is a stalwart for you on that offensive line. I mean, sure, you used a higher draft capital to go out and get Broderick Jones, but you're not gonna are you really gonna complain if Dan Moore Jr. is also playing well? I mean, like, would it be the worst thing in the world if somehow you had to start Jones at the at the right tackle and and Dan Moore Jr. at the left or vice versa? You have two young guys drafted only two years apart and they're both in their early twenties and they could be like I said, pillars for your for your outside of your offensive line for the next few years to come. I mean, would you really be that upset about it? How could you be? Exactly. You need this line to get better, and I know that you want the first-round pick that you traded up to to be a big part of that, but I'll take getting better in any way necessary. If all five guys were undrafted free agents and they all played better than five first-round picks, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and you know, I'll allude this to, or I'll, I'll make the parallel to the conversation we just had about the defensive line, right? The Steelers used a third-round draft pick in 2021 for DeMarvin Leal. Are you really going to be that upset if the next year they use a second-round second draft pick, pick and Keanu Benton is going to insert himself in the starting lineup? Like, oh, my gosh, so horrible that a year later you get a guy that's so good that in his rookie year he's inserting himself in. Again, higher draft capital. You went out and you— Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes a guy who is drafted in the earlier round can can take over that position earlier. But sometimes it's the guy that was taken the round after or maybe two rounds after. So it's not going to work out as clear-cut, as as cookie-cutter as it, as it may seem every single time. No, it's not. But I think that, you know, this all translates to kind of what you're saying. You're pushing guys down the depth chart that were starters just a couple years ago. The depth is really prevalent with the Steelers team. Mm-hmm, and, you, right. know, you look at teams like the Eagles and the Niners and the, those those great teams, they're just deep as hell. And the Steelers are starting to That's build why their they're way great. towards that, right. that, that. They're not there yet, 
but they're starting to build their way towards the every position's got a guy behind the guy. Yeah, like play. last year, you know, Dan or sorry, I, I'm I'm mixing up my positions here. Um, Demarvin Leal had to start because of the injuries suffered by Larry Ogunjobi, right? And there was no third guy. I mean, it was a, a rotunda of Montrevious Adams and Louder and whoever, Milk, yeah. right? Louder Milk, who would who would fill in every now and again. But now, and you look at the offensive line too, and you say, well, you had to start Broderick, or you had to start. Excuse me. You had to start Dan Moore. You had to start Chooks at your tackle positions. But now you bring in Broder Jones to the draft. And you don't now, have to start those guys. And now you have Keanu Benton from this year's draft. So you don't have to start DeMarvin Leal. You don't have to start uh, Dan Moore Jr. or Broder Jones, whichever one you choose not to start. But you have all of those pieces now. It's like you said, the team has been building up to something. Number three on our power ranking, we're going to go back to the rookie well. Not Nate Herbig. But younger brother Nick Herman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has really, I think, even to just the average fan, flashed in these preseason mm-hmm. games. It's Nick Herbig. I see he's getting love from guys like Brian Baldinger right. on Twitter, right. doing his baldy breakdowns of Nick mm-hmm. Herbig. I mean, yes, he was going up against some stiffs against Tampa Bay. But he was whooping those stiffs with his speed rush and looked like a guy playing with the JV that clearly should have been on varsity. So what happens against the Bills? Start sprinkling a little bit of Nick Herbig out there with the ones. Start throwing him out there as a spell, giving Highsmith a break, giving Watt a break. And I think he really held his own again. I don't think that right now I have Herbig as my number three edge rusher. I think Marcus Golden still right, sits the veteran, there, yeah. vet. But, man, they got four dudes that I think are going to play you know, big snaps all year long if all of them are healthy, and I think they're better suited to deal with a Watt injury, a Highsmith injury this year than they have been in the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, a year ago, right, the Steelers went out and signed Malik Reed as the backup yeah, to, to Alex Highsmith. Golden and, is so much better than Reed, and Herbig looks like he's got the potential to be already. Right, and then the year before that, it was, was it the year before that they brought in that Mel was Ingram? Ingram the year before. So two years in a row, you brought in guys who you thought could be the solution as as the death piece, as that third piece, and neither of them really worked out. But now you brought in another veteran in Marcus Golden. But not only did you do that, but you drafted a guy, Nick Herbig, who looks the part, who looks like he can contribute. So well, you're you don't not have to put all that pressure like you did in the years prior on Marcus, uh, I'm sorry, on, on Melvin Ingram and on Malik Reed. You don't have to put that all on one guy's shoulders. You can kind of split the load between Nick Herbig and Marcus Golden this year. And you're not going to get any attitude problems with Nick Herbig. He's a rook. He yeah. was drafted in the fourth nothing round. Is, nothing is due to him. Just nothing is owed to him. getting on the field with the first team D right. in a regular season game. I mean, you go in the fourth round, you're thinking, I'm going to make special teams, and maybe towards the end of the year I start to see myself worked into the fold a little bit if I play well. I think he's going to right out of the gate see himself worked into the like, I'm not talking mm-hmm. a lot, but maybe like five or six snaps here or there yeah. on the defensive side I mean, side it's hard things. to get snaps in when you're playing behind T.J. Watt and Alex But Highsmith. maybe you get a little bit more. Maybe since you have quality behind them, you right. get a little bit more snaps in for those guys mm-hmm. so that the Watts and the Highsmiths are fresher later in games. But Marcus Golden, I have yet to hear anybody speculate that he's a Mel Ingram 
or a Lanier right. Blunt, or we'll have a problem with the role of being. Right. Well, Mel Ingram was, I think, a, a, an anomaly to that point. But Malik Reed, right, was brought in from Denver. And everyone was saying, oh, well, look at this veteran guy who had, what, 10 sacks over the past however many, th- what, was it three seasons or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I remember when that trade happened, Denver's defense was still really good, and he was one of their better players. And it was and like, why, like, why are they, they getting rid of player? Malik Reed? One of their best players. Well, there you he go. Wasn't one of their best players. Yeah. He clearly was playing over his head. Uh, but I love where they're at at the edge rushing position, and I, I think Nick Herbig has a chance to, you know, establish himself as that number three as the season rolls on. Yeah. And, and let's put it this way, Marcus Golden's getting a little bit up there in age. It's nice to see that you might have a number three homegrown for at least the next four years that you can rely on outside of Watt and, and Highsmith. Yeah, I mean, again, to me, this position has been so thin for the last couple of years, right? Ever since Alex Highsmith came in to replace Bud Dupree, essentially, and... Every year, the Steelers have failed to find that third guy that can take over. If T.J. Watt goes down for an extended time or if Alex Highsmith goes out for a couple of drives or a couple of snaps here and there. And now, again, I'll I'll reiterate, it's not just they went out and they got another guy, but they have two people at that position that can help contribute. I think it helps so much more when you don't put all the pressure on one guy to be the backup to two great players in both T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, technically a rookie. This is his first year actually It's like a red shirt. Yeah, his red shirt year. season. I got Calvin Austin here. Yeah, totally fair. Because I don't think there's been a player this preseason that you see and you audibly go, wow. Right. When you well, I mean, he's got two... Two explosive touchdowns. He's got two, two games, fast and faster. Right. And the punt return against Buffalo, I was talking to Labs about this earlier when we were doing Asked and Answered, which should be out on your podcast platforms now. Give it a listen. We were saying, you know, that punt return, like that's, you see that on the TV monitor, and it's apparent how much faster he is than everybody else in the right. field. The only reason he was stopped was because the punter got in front of him. Mm-hmm. He was so much faster than everybody else on the Bills, everybody else on the Steelers, you see why the Steelers are high on this kid because you can't teach speed like that. Right, that's Tyreek Hill level speed. Oh yeah, he's not Tyreek Hill level good. And it's it's but really, he's got the speed aspect. And it's really impressive too because the injury that he that sidelined him his rookie year could have affected. You had that. no idea if his speed was still going to be there. That maybe next his speed year. was affected. Like what if he was even faster? Oh my god, I mean right that'd now. be crazy. But you see him on some of the jet sweeps. You see him with ball with the ball in space. But I think most importantly, you see him. I mean, that I've seen all I need to know. He's your punt returner. 
for yeah, the, for, for the sure. season. I mean, that's you didn't you haven't seen that kind of explosion since what AB was back there returning mm-hmm. punts for for you. So I think he's your punt returner for sure, and I think right now he is clearly your number four wide receiver. Uh, you've got your three in Johnson, Pickens, and Robinson, mm-hmm. and then you got Calvin Austin who. No, but I mean, like, depending on the matchup, might be out there more than Allen Robinson. Right, I, that's a great point, just because of his speed. I mean, Allen Robinson, veteran, right, leader of that locker room, but for I, the leader of that position. Yes. But you can probably do a lot more with Calvin Austin than you could you do can, with Allen Robinson. And I think we're all now very comfortable with four wide receivers, where we were very comfortable with the three, and we were, who's going to be that? Is it Hakeem Butler, who's no longer on the team anymore? Is it Anthony Miller? Well, I mean, I, I could even say... Is it Miles Boykin? Like, who's going to step up and be Look how much more dire the situation was at the end of last year, right? You traded away Chase Claypool, worked out to your benefit because it allowed you to get Joey Porter Jr. And he stinks, Claypool, so... Claypool, I mean, he's yeah, causing all kinds stinks. of problems. All you're hearing out of Bears training camp is how much problems just, he's causing, he right? He's fights. just a bad... He's not, he's not performing well. He's causing fights. He's a bad player. Anyways, he, but you were, you were concerned because you thought, okay, well, I, you have... George Pickens and you have Deontay Johnson and really at the end of last year, right? The end of last year, the third wide receiver on the team was Steven Sims. And then he he was traded and then he he went went to to Houston Houston. and so you were left, okay, well you're going to go out and you're going to get you're going to bring in Allen Robinson and you're going to hope that Calvin Austin improves and can contribute despite that season ending season ending, wow, season Season ending foot injury he suffered last year. But it was all speculation. But now, from what you've seen from Austin, there's no speculation needed. You see the speed. You see the burst, both on the offense and on the special teams. And now I'm thinking about the wide receiver room. Johnson, Pickens, Robinson, Austin, Boykin. Do they carry a sixth? And the Anita six. Can we finally say goodbye to Gunner? The Anita six, think- just because, think yeah. about it, too. You need a lot of receivers, of course. But with the number of guys on this offense as weapons, right? Pat Fryer moved Zach well, Jones, Connor Hayward, Donald Washington. So you take only Nash- five wide receivers and keep all four of those tight ends. And I'm including Rodney Williams in that category. Mm. And I'm putting Connor Hayward in a fullback. In the fullback role. position. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if Rodney Williams is going to find his way onto this final roster. Everybody's impressed with him. Everybody yeah. think, they, I've heard people say maybe you hide him on the practice squad. I think someone's going to pick him up if you put him on the practice squad. Uh, Again, I'm, I'm just to me, it just as it's kind of a wide receiver, so right, maybe right. you can get away but with like that. But like Gentry thing. and Washington are going to be used as kind of extra. Here's the lineman. real reason why I'm bringing this up. I just don't want Gunnar Olszewski on the Gunner team Gunner. anymore. And right now, it looks like he's the number six guy. Am I wrong? I mean, about I'll that? tell you. I'll tell you right now. Regardless of position, weapons above Gunnar in terms of capabilities. I'll go receivers first. Deontay, uh, the the four guys, right? Deontay, Pickens, Robinson, Calvin Austin. You look at the tight ends: Fryermuth, Gentry, Hayward, Washington. Look at the running backs. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. That's 10 guys. McFarland, too. Yeah, McFarlane's sure, sure. Throw threat. Tony Mack in there if you really uh, want to. I, you didn't mention Boykin. I think Boykin's much more of a threat as far as catching a ball is concerned than Olszewski is, too. Regardless, at the minimum, you're listing 10 guys. So if Gunner makes the team, that means there's— He's never on the field. So what's the point? Right, because the only angle, then, would be for the punt return game. Mm-hmm. But I think Calvin Austin— Yeah, lock that up. Player. And Anthony McFarland kind of seems to have locked up the kick returning game also. Exactly. So I just don't think that there is a spot for Gunner. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do take, excuse me, six wide receivers, and he's the. You sixth just man don't on want. You just don't want to see a wasted jersey, right? Or I wasted... think those five are locks, though. 
Austin Boykin, Johnson, Pickens, and Robinson. Yeah, I don't, Boykin's just so good at special teams, and he's mm-hmm. such a good blocking right. wide receiver right. that I think they'll find a spot. Tomlin likes those football players, and Boykin's a football mm-hmm. player, so I think he's got a spot on this team. All right, our number one most impressive player from Who training could be? camp preseason. It's actually us cheating because we're going to go players. It's the Pickett to Pickens connection. It's real. It, both Pickett and yeah. both Pickens have looked like studs in this preseason and maybe it's a chicken and the egg thing like maybe Pickett looks this good because pickens is playing that well or maybe Mm -hmm. pickens is playing that well because Pickett has taken that next step either way you're seeing a symbiotic relationship start to form here all right they're going black suit spider-man on the league (laughs) and i don't think that the hype around george pickens is unwarranted you see guys like ryan clark saying that he's better than justin jefferson skill wise that's a little bit extreme but I get what he's saying. He's got the ability to make Justin Jefferson type plays. Jefferson, they said Jefferson's a savant. You know, he runs routes extremely well. He's he's thinking the game as well as he is talented. But Pickens has that talent, is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And he is going, and Orlovsky mentioned this too. Does the fact that Pickens looks like he's going to be a, a Chase, a, a Brown, a Jefferson, mean that we have to reevaluate what we think of Kenny Pickett? Because if Pickett has one of those guys, he might go from being a top 15 quarterback to being the number five quarterback in right. the NFL. Yeah. Either way, to bo- number five both, of is obviously have, both is, of them have been incredible this camp season. Right, and, and you see more out of Pickett, right? Obviously, George Pickens, it started with the, what was it, the first week of training camp, the second week of training camp with that catch. Yeah, Pickens' stuff has kind of been more noticeable in the camp settings, right. although he did have the touchdown against the Bucks and he had one catch against the Bills. but. He's just been absurd. Like, you don't see camp catches go viral like you have no. with George Pickett. But here's the thing is that that was really his his token uh, highlight was that catch over Joey Porter Jr. in practice. And you were thinking, well, it's just practice. And, and you know, Joey Porter Jr. is a rookie and hasn't been getting a lot of reps. George Pickens is obviously going to start on the offense. You don't know about that for Joey Porter Jr. But then against Tampa Bay, and again, it's Tampa Bay's backups. But that the, the the route he ran to get open, which has a been a huge criticism of his, is that he doesn't have that separation like Deontay Johnson has. Well, he did, and then the move he made, the, the hip swing he 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 made to get into the end zone to the, divert the defender. Once you saw that play, you were like, "Yep, okay, I've seen all I need to see from George Pickens. That's it." And then again, he had another catch against Buffalo. But to me, really, it's the star of the of the preseason and the. The preseason games, training camp has been Kenny Pickett. I think you could say that even beyond just the Steelers. He's, I think, nationally being recognized yeah. as the guy who turned the most heads as far as this training camp portion of the NFL season is concerned. Did you miss any of our show today? You can download full episodes of all of our SNR podcasts, shows like The Drive, In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, Steelers Blitz with Wes and Motes, our show, The Steelers Standard, and many more. They're all available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. In the Locker Room is back, by the way. Wolf and Starks yeah, are they all just started the way yesterday. Alive. Yeah, so make sure you're tuning in each day for Wolf and Starks. Jacob and I will be back again next week. We'll talk about what happened in the Falcons game. Oh, baby. Start revving things up Absolutely. for that regular season mm-hmm. opener against the 49ers. This has been the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.